we all know circulation in the body brings clarity. For whatever reason, we get that blood pumping. It's why so many people are out there running at four and five in the morning before they start their day. So if you take a walk for 15 minutes, instead of eating that three cupcakes, are you going to get some clarity to think out of your problem instead of just reacting? I want to be able to think in life and not react. And so many of our food choices and exercise choices are just reactions. Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Market Call Show. This is Louis Giannis. I am the founder of WealthNet Investments. Today, we have an interesting topic, and I'm really excited about diving in, so let's get going. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you today because I'm always thinking about health. And I was talking to a person about you, and she was like, you should really have her on your podcast because she knows a lot about fitness and health. And I was thinking about how important that was because we're in the investment management business and financial planning business. And one of the biggest parts of people's lives that is kind of overlooked is health because it ties into everything else. I would say the two largest things that affect people is health and their money and their, you know, their relationships, right? It's actually three things, I guess. I don't know you that well. So why don't you sure. just start off by telling me more about yourself? I mean, I've read up on you, but I sure. want to hear your story. Tell me how you got into this business of fitness. Sure thing. So my name is Vanessa Bogenholm. I'm based out of San Jose, California. I have a private fitness studio here. So I see clients one-on-one -on -one, or maybe like two people at the same time, but it's about 1800 square feet, fully private, stocked with really high-end stuff. But the privacy allows people to do a lot of things. One is to never be embarrassed about their food choices or their fitness level. Like you go into a large gym, right? People are looking at you. You don't want to be looked at. You don't want to ask stupid questions. You don't want to look stupid on a machine. You want privacy. So that's what we have. Most of my clients stay with me forever once they start. I think over 80% of my clients have been with me over four years. So it's very strange for a personal trainer to have people forever. And that's basically what I have. And most people see me twice a week. So that's kind of the gist what I do. Before COVID, obviously, I would speak at company meetings about putting fitness into your lifestyle so that you are healthier emotionally. So we know if your body physically hurts for whatever reason, that it hurts your brain and you can't work to the capacity that you'd like to. And one of the things that everybody notices when they're in the lower positions of a company is watching the CEO or the C-suite go out for a run in the middle of the day. And those guys having private showers and doing things in the middle of the day, and it's really common. And I work in Silicon Valley, and we have a very famous CEO that he used to take, if you were on a business meeting with him, he took you for a walk on the business meeting, right? And everybody saw that. And they knew if you were invited on the walk, then you were a guy who could move up in the company, which is really interesting. He was one of my clients. And it's such a funny scenario about that. Now, if you were super out of shape and walking for three or four miles was uncomfortable and you would breathe hard and you couldn't talk through it, guess what? That would come off. So it was always fascinating to me when someone would say, oh my God, I can't believe people walk while they have a conversation. And I go, he does it for a couple of reasons. That's because when he exercises, 
that's when he thinks the best, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is an interesting time we're in. We know that obesity and the problems of obesity are the number one reason people are dying from COVID. And for years, people kept trying to say, oh, it's okay to be 20 or 40 pounds overweight. Isn't it amazing how beautiful people are when they're overweight? No. Here's one thing that's positive. It hurts your health. And it doesn't just hurt your health physically with diabetes and joints that hurt and all that kind of stuff. But mentally, are you really happy with the way your body looks? And you know, when you've got that fancy business suit on and you look great, your confidence level is through the roof. So whether you're applying for a job or whatever it may be, just looking good and feeling good in your body without any pain makes you perform better. There was a lot in there about food choices, <laughs> et cetera. And I want to dive a little bit into this body-brain relationship that you talked about. So I remember I went to go work for a hedge fund as an analyst and my boss, who was from California, by the way, mm -hmm. did that exact same thing to me, except we were in Estes Park where it was 11,000 feet. Wow. <laughs> and we climbed up. Yes. He wanted course. me to see something. And I remember I was that guy going... Oh my God. Cause I was at 6,000 feet and we were up, you know, up at 10,000, 10 or 11. <laughs> it no was oxygen. pretty wild. The whole time we were just talking about, I mean, he, he did hire me actually, but that mm -hmm. was the hiring of uh, meeting. That was yeah. the interview. Tell me a little bit about the physiology. Like there's so many different ways of thinking there's keto, there's all these mm -hmm. different ways of two questions. One is what would you say to somebody who wants to get their mental focus and their health better from a nutrition standpoint? And then also from an exercise standpoint, just in general generalities. Generally, we as human beings, for whatever reason, have evolved to make every holiday around a food choice. We have Christmas ham, we have Thanksgiving turkey. If you're coming to my house for dinner, then I'm making this fabulous meal. We've decided that food is the center of our celebration. That is the first thing I try to take away from every client. Food is not the reason we celebrate because that is an unhealthy obsession of food, especially going with alcohol. This is damaging to your body. My food intake is all about tomorrow. What am I doing tomorrow? Am I running a 10 mile run tomorrow? boy, I'm going to have to get a few more calories in my body today for tomorrow. If I'm going to have a meeting at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, am I going to have three glasses of wine the night before and have a slight headache? Of course not. So think about your food choices and how it makes this machine, which is our body, run. So let's say you just bought your dream car, which was a Maserati, right? You're not going to come and take dirty water and throw it in the gas tank. So why do you do it to your body? And when you know if you're eating a food product that you can't even tell is food, Fritos, Cheetos, whatever, it doesn't even look like real food. If you're putting it in your body, you know your body is not going to function well, just as that Maserati is not going to function well on dirty water and not gasoline. So what would you do? Try to think of this as something you need to take care of. And guess what? You have clarity of your brain because your body is feeling better. And that's really the gist of everyone when I try to make them focus on something else. So I think that's really an interesting take. It takes most of my clients two to three years to really look at this and go, wow, this is right. I had a woman this morning I saw before you and her first thing was, oh, my son's coming. I'm making this for dinner. And she almost like was horrified. Ah, Vanessa, I'm so sorry. And it was interesting. And I go, you caught yourself, right? The time should be spent with other human beings, not what are we eating? So that's the big change I really try to make in people's brains. That's amazing. I mean, I just last night invited over some relatives 
because I just put together a new grill. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm making some kosher chicken. Let's have some. And of course, they were like, yeah, I'm in. But it was all around what was on the dinner table. That's crazy, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know how I mean, this it's... evolved. Birthday cake, everything we do is a celebration of food and alcohol. So well, thousands and thousands of years, you could pick yeah. up the Bible and there's feasts and yeah. then it goes way, way beyond that. So really the changing your mind about how you think about food, and I'm sure that probably goes into other areas than just celebrations. Are there any other areas that you try to change people's mind on the way they think about food? Yes. Yeah, so using food to fix yourself. So I'm having a sad day. I'm horrified. I'm going to sit here and eat a chocolate cake. Does that actually get you to where you want to be? So if you really am sad, I just lost my job, my relationship just ended, I just lost a bunch of money in crypto, whatever it may be, as we all lose a bunch of money in crypto one day and then gain it back the next. So is it really going to help you to eat this food? So before you eat that food, because you're sad, think about why you're sad and if it's going to help. And if it's not going to help, then guess what? Don't do it. So what's going to help you? maybe having a little clarity. We all know circulation in the body brings clarity. For whatever reason, we get that blood pumping. It's why so many people are out there running at four and five in the morning before they start their day. So if you take a walk for 15 minutes instead of eating that three cupcakes, are you gonna get some clarity to think out of your problem instead of just reacting? I wanna be able to think in life and not react. And so many of our food choices and exercise choices are just reactions. I hate exercising. I love it when people tell me that. I hate running. Do you? Maybe you don't run properly. Do you actually hate running or do you not know how to do it? Mm. Do you actually hate exercise or you always failed when you've tried and it brought disappointment to you? None of my clients ever fail. The reason I work with clients one-on-one -on -one is that let's say I'm going to put you on the bench press. I'm not throwing 200 pounds on there, right? I'm throwing it so you make successful situations happen. I want everyone to feel successful with their exercise. And then guess what? It makes you want to continue. Yeah. So replace walk with a food. I mean, replace food <laughs> with a walk. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because yeah, that's basically a replacement idea. So interrupt that pattern and go get some circulation rather than food and maybe trigger yourself somehow. But you got to have that initial trigger to get your brain to do that. So what do you recommend for people to do to get that interruption there? So they actually think, I mean, it's one thing to say that, but it's yes. another thing to actually do it. What do you? So to turn things into a habit, right? That's what we try to do is turn things into a habit. And we have delightful things now called our cell phones that have alarms all the time. And so with clients to get them to drink water, to get them to remember to walk in the morning, put an alarm on, make it just yeah. in your face. I'm a big person of sticky notes. There are sticky notes everywhere in my life. So if I have an idea, I write it down, put it where I'm going to see it, right? If you put on the refrigerator a sticky note saying, do you really want to eat that? Or do you want to take a walk? And you do that, you're going to three times say, oh shit, I don't want to listen to that. I'm going to eat my food. <laughs> but it's going to be in the back of your brain, right? Yeah. To change the habit. And then guess what? The most important thing to do is to change. We are humans. We like to be around other humans. So if I'm hanging out with a bunch of people in a bar that are drinking, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to drink. Yeah. If I'm hanging out with a bunch of people that are reading Dalio's new book or listening to the Elon Musk podcast and trying to increase their lives and are out there walking or playing tennis or golfing, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do that too. Surround yourself with the people that are going in places in life that you want to be, right? Well, that's so important. 
That's so important. I was at the gym yesterday and I got there around seven yesterday, 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. And there was a ton of people. They were all of those. I'm going to turn over a new leaf for the year. I've seen that fall off all the time. And then it comes back up and falls off. And just the day before I was there at 6 a.m. And there was nobody there. Right. And yeah, there was a time difference, but it was a huge difference. What do you think causes people to have that decay where they just drop off from the discipline of what their brain says to do, but then they don't actually do it? So usually I believe the decay happens because they're shooting for the moon. So when someone walks into my studio and says, hey, I want to lose 60 pounds, I just laugh. And I go, good luck with that, right? I mean, have a great time. We're not losing 60 pounds tomorrow. That is not a tangible thing, right? None of us are going to make a million dollars in the stock market tomorrow unless we've got in 20 or 30 million to start, right? Right. So we've got to make a tangible thing. So you want to lose a pound? You want to be able to walk 15 minutes without breathing too hard? Let's make small little goals weekly. And sometimes it's a daily goal or an hourly goal. I am not going to eat that cupcake this moment, right? Very, it has to be very concrete and it has to be doable for you. If it's not doable, guess what? Okay, I was going to lose 10 pounds this month. I only lost seven. I'm a failure. I'm going to quit. Thinking of yourself as a failure causes people to quit. No one ever walks out of my studio feeling worse. They always feel like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did. And it's amazing because I don't create situations for people to fail. So set up small wins that you can achieve and keep your self-esteem up and having some accountability, I think is also a big part of that. What do you think this COVID effect has been? I can speak for myself. You don't know my story. I weighed about 308 pounds Mm -hmm. and I lost 75 pounds using Weight Watchers and exercising a lot. When I was younger, I ran a lot. I weighed about 165, 170. And then I got into the finance field. I used to be able to eat 5,000 calories a a day and never did 4,000 calories a day never affected me. But then when I got older, sat down all the time, stopped exercising, it was a big thing. So I started that reversal process. But then COVID came and then I gained some weight. And then I looked around me and I'm like, damn, everybody has gained weight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we are in this perpetual fighting, I feel like for a lot of people feel this too, with the news sources, what you're putting Mm -hmm. in your brain and all that stuff. What what kind of advice would you give people with that in terms of dealing with your mental state? Right. So I think a lot of things we have to realize, psychologically, we know. You knew as that weight started to gain that it was making you unhappy. And you were getting on that roller coaster now of gaining weight. And you knew you needed to make a change, but it was difficult. It's hard, right? So how do you do that? So if you had three guys that you got to play basketball every Saturday morning at eight o'clock, and guys are better than girls at this, say, hey, I think you gained a few pounds, dude. What are you doing? Right? That would have actually, all of a sudden, now you can have a conversation with somebody about it. But when we internalize everything, what happens? We get rage, right? We're unhappy with ourselves and everything else. But once we kind of externalize it with another human being, things change. So that's where guys are very different than girls. Girls don't tend to do that to another girl. Say, by the way, honey, you just got fat, right? They would, <laughs> girlfriends wouldn't say that to each other. And I might say it to my girlfriends. To my girlfriend's husband, I got to say it to him every day. It was fantastic. I go, dude, what happened to you? You blew up. And he goes, I didn't want you to see me. And I go, because why? And he goes, because now I can't pretend what didn't happen. So I think the COVID thing is so interesting because it really brought out that we need other human beings around wow. us and how sad it was when we people didn't have them. We saw suicide rates 
go just extremely high. We can see in our politics, the rage. And we saw two things. We saw people either become fitter or fatter in extremes with hardly anything in the middle. We've seen that with people's careers, right? People are making more money than ever buying fancier houses or they're suffering. We've lost that whole middle and everything. And guess what we do all the time now? We argue. People are on the, just the cusp of rage all the time. Every day there's a new shooting, there's new road rage, all of this stuff. It's very sad. It's because we're not communicating with other human beings. And you have to learn now how to communicate with other people, be accountable to other people, not just sit in your home and watch Yellowstone all day long or whatever you're doing. <laughs> so, but I think it's being accountable really will help people with, that's why we talk about getting a weight buddy, right? Someone that's going to be really honest with you. Don't you think a lot of people, though, were struggling with the routine change? For me, my routine was very clear. Mm-hmm. Got up early in the morning, saw the sunrise, get to the office, go to the gym, eating, preparing the meals that, that work for me. And then that got completely shot because, and then being in the investment world, lots of volatility, lots of things to do, people concerns. So mm-hmm. you get into a complete out of your routine. How do you get people to stay fit and healthy when the routine is just completely being turned upside down, which happens periodically in your life? So it happens to me. So I prefer to run at 4.35 in the morning. But if I have a new client that the only time they can see me is six o'clock in the morning, guess what happens? My run is shorter, right? And I got to do what? Get a second run in the day, another time frame. So it's about what's important to you. So what's important to me is that I'm a super great runner so I can go out and win races, honestly. Very important. Mm for me emotionally, but guess what else? If I don't run, I'm full of rage and just want to kill people all day long. So (laughs) it makes me much mentally stable. So I have to adjust. And I think the most important thing of life is really being willing to adjust. Whatever it is, someone cuts you off on the freeway. Oh, well, whatever, right? They got to be somewhere faster. Let it go, right? It's not the end of the world. And I think that you saw people, people who have been successful during COVID have adjusted. That's the main thing you got to be able to do. Yeah. And I can definitely attest to the fact that we saw a lot of more haves and haves not that gap increased. Yes. In our world, we saw more of the increase, right? Because mm-hmm. that's who we tend to work with, but you hear stories and you see the news and you look at the statistics of those that have been left behind. And so it, I think health is a big part of your wealth equation and your happiness. So I want to talk a little bit about the balance between fitness, you know, i.e. exercise, stretching, mm-hmm. strength training, all that versus diet. Okay. So if you're on a deserted island, and I know you don't want to answer this question, but you're on a <laughs> deserted island, you can only do one. What's the most important one? What do you on focus on first, food or exercise? It's food. It's definitely food because I cannot exercise without the proper food in me. Mm-hmm. Now, I just had this discussion with a guy who had been a vegan and finally realized it wasn't working out anymore. And he goes, so I need to figure out how to, how to, how to get this. And I, so I'm a big science believer on every which way right? We know there are amino acids only found in beef that are not found in anything else. So guess what? If you're going to be a vegan, which I fully support being vegan, you're going to have to supplement with pills to get what you need in a diet wise, right? So when you look at really healthy vegans, they are taking huge amounts of supplements. They're taking juices. They're doing all kinds of stuff to really concentrate vegetables into it, which you can find in meat. So you can do it. It's a lot of work, right? To be very, very healthy as a vegan to get Mm. what you need as a body. If you're going to be running 50, 60 miles a week, 
doing severe weightlifting for four or five hours a week. If you're a little bit less active, yeah, you're not going to have that huge strength of an athlete. It's very, very difficult, right? It's not just protein, but it's actually protein at the level of amino acids. I don't ever eat processed food. I mean, I just don't. And I love it when people say, how do you avoid it? I go, I don't know. I have a refrigerator. It's not like a big deal to me. You, you take a lot of food with you when you go places. Sometimes you I go just, to a restaurant, you never know what's in that stuff. And so you don't order that stuff. You can always yeah. order a salad with your dressing on the side and ask them to bring you some fresh lime juice and they'll always do it. I think that's such an interesting thing about how things can be done very well. And people know when I go to their house, if someone's invited me over, like a spouse and the other spouse doesn't know me, the first thing out of their mouth always, Vanessa's probably not eating the food. Don't be offended. And the first time I heard a guy say this to his wife, she goes, oh, okay. And she had made literally like some pastry thing. And I go, nothing personal. It's just that I just don't need that in my diet for tomorrow. I got to run eight miles in the morning or something. And you do it politely. You don't make a big deal of it. What I do in my life, unless someone asks me, I don't like profess it. We talk about attraction. If someone looks at me and says, you were ridiculously fit, that's a great thing. If you want to know about why I'm this way, then I'm happy to talk about it. But otherwise, I don't go out into a room and just say, hey, I'm amazing. Look at me and how much I work mm. and how I eat, right? right? I want to do that. People are always shocked. I have no plastic surgery. I'm 55 years old. There's no injections in this face. There's nothing. You can look and feel great. And I'm just like you. I work 12 and 14 hour days. I love what I do. So do I have stress? Of course, my business is always changing, right? Mm. You have a when you have a book come out, you have a book come out. Oh my God. They talk about the stress when a book comes out. Everybody might yeah, hate okay. it. You have to go full. If you worry about your investments, need to make complex financial decisions, or pay unnecessary taxes, a lack of proper financial planning and investing may already be costing you a great deal. When you are ready to turn your peace of wealth into peace of mind, go to wealthnetinvest.com and click on the schedule a call button to talk to us and get a free consultation today. When people are trying to navigate this whole diet noise, it's just mm -hmm, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's noise. So what is the steps you would take to get people to triangulate into what's right for them? Yes. I'll tell you, and the reason why I'm asking you this is because I went through a lot of different things. When I did the Weight Watchers thing, what I found out, because you could count all this stuff, right? But what I found out is that my body does not work well with, on a vegan diet. Forget it. My body works yeah. well with a certain mix of macronutrients, and I need to keep my insulin level stable yeah. and eat 75 grams of protein or so, mm -hmm. a little bit more fat, lots of vegetables, yeah. and just no sugars. No the sugars. sugars kill me, right? Yeah, right. And when I figured that out, the weight started coming off, and I could eat okay. even more. I could eat like 30% more, and I'd still lose weight. Exactly. I could go up to maybe 100 grams of carbs and still lose weight. But if yes. I went over that, forget it. Now, and I, but it took me several years. How can you help people get there faster? What's your process to get there? And I'm not, I'm not saying I have the answer for myself right. yet, sure. but maybe help walk us through that a little bit. So every client too, I do differently because I have to figure out where your life is and think about my life. I've got to be on at six o'clock in the morning for a client. And sometimes I have clients at 7.30 at night and I have to have that same energy level all day long, right? And you would not know the difference in me and what time of day it was when you saw me in my gym. It's the same energy level. That's because I avoid sugars. That's mm -hmm. the most important thing. So for me personally, I eat, I go for my runs. I eat fruit in the morning. Your body is always craving vitamin C, always craving vitamin C. So I always eat fruit and it's low sugar fruits. It's berries and it's watermelon. 
that's what I have in the morning. It's very refreshing. It's not going to upset your stomach, all that kind of stuff, right? So when it comes to lunchtime, that is the time that I will have my carbohydrates because my life is based around a nap. Since I was a kid, I always loved to take a nap. So I'll eat my carbohydrates at lunchtime, take a half an hour, 45 minute nap, and then go back to work. In the evening, it's straight protein and vegetables. It's a piece of fish, a piece of beef, and more vegetables than you would ever dream of. And just learning how to season them properly. I always try to get my clients like, hey, I have chef friends. You want them to show you how to make vegetables like you get in a restaurant that you want to eat, how to cook with very, very little oil, how to cook with steaming, how to cook with steaming in an oven with some lemon juice on some broccoli that will just blow your mind away compared to the way your mother made it, right? Mm. And learn how to make food taste good. And I get home at 7.30 usually at night and I'm in bed by 8.30. So I got to learn how to cook in 10 minutes. And it's not a big deal for me. But learning how to cook that way and what fits your lifestyle with your work situation. So that's where I try to figure everything out. So guess what? There wasn't anything processed in anything that I eat. So how much processed food do I eat on a daily basis? Usually it'd probably be two pieces of sourdough bread at the most if I'm having a sandwich for lunch. That would be my carbohydrates of the day. I have not eaten white rice except for in sushi more than two or three times in the last 10 years. Sushi wow. is the one other time that I'd, I never eat white rice. White rice is just sugar in that bloodstream. Yeah. You've got that up and downs of your life. I don't do it. I'm not a big potato person. I just don't need to do it. I don't know why. I mean, I'm definitely not going to eat fried potatoes. My gosh, that would just be horrifying. <laughs> I just don't need to do that. So I think it's interesting when people have so many, rice is a big thing to break. The constant reliance on bread in people's diets is interesting. Taking mm -hmm. somebody from having four to five slices of bread a day is really common. I think most of our parents had that, like you had bread with the table and bread and butter with every meal or whatever dinner time, right? Get rid of that. The number one thing with people who have a bread addiction, which is very, very common, is guess what? You just don't have it in the house. You just don't have it in the house. Yeah. Because it's like alcohol, right? And also, you're not having sugar stuff. There's no sugar cereals in the house. Cereals are horrifyingly full of sugar. So that should not be in the house. And I'm not eating that stuff. So if it's out of a box or a bag, it's probably processed. Should you be eating it? And really yeah, think really, about so that. really just kind of going back to just eating real food. Real, real food. food, yes. Yeah, imagine that. And we definitely as Americans have been trained to eat that over the years. And it's gotten worse and worse, even from when I was a kid. You and I are similar age. So yeah. definitely. And even the, it seems like even the taste of food has changed. Like, I remember when I was a kid, eggs seemed to taste better. Like, I don't know if it was just they taste better to me then. But they seem that the yolks seem to be better. I think you really have to be careful where you get your food too. What do you tell people have different body styles? I want to kind of stay on that a little bit. So mm -hmm. our, our body metabolism, I don't know what the word is. How do you modify that? How do you help people modify that right mix? Like what you mentioned, what was the right for you? What about mm -hmm. for somebody who has a different kind of a body makeup? How do you get them so, to their So I have, a, I have a gentleman very similar to you. He was 278 pounds, about five foot five. He's now at actually 155 and he rides a bike and we had skin reduction surgery and the whole deal. I talk about him in the book, but very interesting. Financial services guy did home loans, right? Had a small home loan company, literally sat at his desk all day, working on the computer and working on the phone. Clients would come see him and he'd get them their loans, right? Very sedentary lifestyle. So we cut out processed food originally. And then I said, so here's the ugly truth of what you've done to your body and how we have to go you can never consume more than 1,100 calories a day. 
period. Because you've slowed down your metabolism in your body this much. So even now where he rides his bike back and forth to work, which is about 20 miles a day, and even though it's a very active lifestyle, he still only consumes 1,100 calories a day because his metabolism is that low. Now, if I did 1,100 calories a day, I would disappear because my metabolism is still really fast and I exercise so much, right? But for him, and literally, not we had, I don't even know how this happened, but basically 3,000 calories is what we were told a pound was. But as you know, you could eat another couple thousand calories sometimes and gain two pounds because it was full of salt or whatever it was. And you're like, oh, wow, what happened, right? So for him, he literally gains a pound and about 1,500 calories. So Mm -hmm. he had met a new woman, started to date a new woman. The first thing she did was made him a pasta dinner. And he ate it. And he ate it. And he was like, Vanessa, I gained three pounds in one day. And I go, because you ate 2,000 calories in one meal. What were you thinking? (laughs) He right? probably retained some water with that, I imagine. Oh, yes. But it's hard to be honest with people and say, you know what? This is what my body needs now, and I can't eat that. Thank you, but I just can't. So that's an honesty thing about putting who you are out there and what your strengths and weaknesses are, which is something we don't necessarily as humans like to do very much, right? Yeah, and he was a shorter person. So yes, that yeah. I could see how it would be that low. And when you look at the numbers, yeah, that's very... So you just have to adjust it to your size, all those different things, yeah. your makeup... Now, I don't know if he was a big exerciser when he was young. When I was young, I was a huge exerciser. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you talk about running. When I was younger, if I didn't run seven miles that day, I felt horrible. In fact, I think running is just as addictive as sugar. Sure, definitely. In fact, I tell people that I miss running so much because when you gain weight, you can't run, right? Mm -hmm. You hurt your your knees. Mm -hmm. So I try to get that same feeling on the bike, you know, and it's not the same. So I actually have a, a person that's been running now for quite a while. And she talks about that, like almost need to go. And I go, so let's talk about what this is. This is a meditative state to your brain. It's the slight pounding on your body, right? That's a very meditative state to get people in a quiet mode. People go run for hours with no music and no podcasts and no whatever, with just their thoughts, right? It's meditative. Yeah. That's what the difference is between that and a bicycle. There's no pounding swimming. It's not a pounding thing right? It's not that same feeling. Yeah. The the one that's the closest is the elliptical. Yeah. But it's still not the same because you don't have the variation and all of that of the the ground. So, okay. That's really interesting. So we talked a little bit about food, a little bit about, so what is your thought about the keto type diets or these, I don't know what you call them. Some people go as dramatic as only eating meat exclusively. So what do you think about that? Do you think that's healthy? No. And here's what else. I don't have people count calories. I don't have you stick to a specific diet because that's not livable. I want to live, right? I am not losing weight and being fit to just look good or feel good. I actually want to live my life. So how do we adjust your diet to live your life? If you're going to your granddaughter's birthday party, you want a piece of that cake, have that piece of cake. I could care less, but realize that you're probably not going to have cake for the next four or five days, right? You're not Mm -hmm. having it every day. And it's a small piece, right? Learn how to do things and modifications so that you can enjoy life. I love C's candy. There's no two ways about it. My clients make jokes about it. They bring me pounds of C's candy at Christmas time, literally pounds. It's very funny. (laughs) But if I'm going to eat C's candy, guess what? I am not going to run 10 miles the next day if I've eaten four pounds of C's candy, right? There's just no way. So there has to be this modification of what my lifestyle is to make that fit. But I still live life and I don't count calories. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit to exercise. 
I've kind of been thinking about things from strength training, cardio, flexibility, balance. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I think about my own. Okay. I'm sure. And it's so rudimentary and so not perfect. What is your process? How do you think about getting people on track with their strength? All, you know, all of those exercise type parts of the equation. So all of those things are incredibly important, but the most important part of exercise is sleep. It really is sleep. If someone doesn't get their sleep, they can do nothing. Past the age of 45 or so, almost every client I ever have has sleep issues. And I'm seeing sleep issues in 20-year-olds now, which you didn't used to see, right? Where they can't sleep, they're up till two or three in the morning, making them exhausted. (laughs) These. Yeah, they're on their screens all the time, right? So- Nothing's worse than you, when you're exhausted and you're trying to work out because that's when you're going to get hurt. You don't feel well. So I really try to adjust someone's sleep patterns, figuring out what time of day works best for you to exercise. Some people work really well in the morning, some in the afternoon, some in the evening. What is your body clock tell you it wants to move? We figure that out. Hopefully it fits into my schedule and your schedule. We can work that out, right? If not, then we'll figure something else out. So figure that out first before you worry about everything else. Regardless of what you do, the first thing to do is to what? To move your body. Get off a damn chair. We sit in chairs all day long. Let's get you moving. I can't run well if I'm not flexible. If my ankles don't flex, I can't do it. And realize that it's always this 200-pound thing for guys on the bench press. I mean, how many guys really can bench press 200 pounds, right? Realize, well, here what are the different, but most guys cannot. That's not a normal thing, right? So that's not going to be where you're going to start. And really find someone to teach you how to lift properly and realize what muscles are supposed to work. But I think it's funny when women say, I love this. Oh, I'm okay with lifting weights, but I don't want to get bulky. Honey, you're not going to get bulky. Nice try. I've been lifting weights since I was 13. I am not bulky in the least bit. No, your arms are incredible. Exactly. You're not going to get bulky, even if you can bench 200, which I bet you'll ever get to. So don't worry about it. But don't also realize you're going to have to make variability. Clients always say, I never know what I'm going to do with Vanessa, and I can never remember what I did with her later. You have to figure out, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then do this, to keep you what? Engaged. Otherwise, you're bored stiff. If you walked into the gym and had the same routine of your same machines, and then you got on your elliptical for 15 minutes, and then you went home, within six months, you're going to stop because you're bored, right? Change it up. Always change it up and look for other things to do, other ways to move your body. When you talk about changing it up, do you like to think of things in a certain categories like cardio versus the core stuff like that. I no. mean, it seems it's, no, you know, no, just- no, no. Here's what I like to do. I'm going to do everything at once. I am the believer of I should work most muscles as possible as once. I'm a big person on jumping. Even my 80 year old clients jump and learn how to jump because that impact on the bones makes really strong bones. So we may mm. be on a step working on a step, and actually having one foot on and one foot off. So you got to have flexibility at the same time. You've got a weight in your arm and working on balance at the same time. So we can do cardio, balance, flexibility, and strength training all in one exercise. There so I try to do most of my work like that. And so you're doing everything at once, never just one thing. Yeah, that gives you more of a rounded, more real life, functional type strength and all of that. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. One more thing as we're getting close to wrapping this up. If you could give somebody the best start, like say, okay, you're starting a new year. Everybody Mm -hmm. thinks about the new year. Mm -hmm. What would be the first step that you would recommend somebody take who said, this is the year I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to get fit. The first thing to do is to figure out a time frame, the 15 minutes. And all I'm asking for is 15 minutes. And that 15 minutes, you're going to move your body in some way. 
I don't care if you take a basketball in the backyard and bounce it for 15 minutes. I don't care if you take a dog for a walk for 15 minutes. I don't care if you watch an instructional video of mine and do some ab work for 15 minutes. But that has got to be like your religion. I'm going to do 15 minutes, right? And just do that. And then all of a sudden, you guys, you can figure out next where you want to go. But if you decide, no, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week for an hour every day, guess what? It's not going to happen. But everybody has 15 minutes. Figure that out uninterrupted without looking at your phone, without having to deal with your kids, whatever it may be. And do that. And that's going to be a big gift to yourself, not just physically, but mentally, that you are actually able to take the time into this body and take care of it. Oh, that's great. That's great. All right. So tell me a little bit more about how people can reach you. You have a book too. I do have a book that came out Let's six talk months a little ago. bit about that. Sure. So my book is It's Your Body, Move It, Love It, Live. You can find it anywhere, Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I have a website, fitness-23.com. You can find out all about my fitness studio and my book and my nonprofit, all that kind of stuff. There's tons of free videos on YouTube. I actually have an app. So I see people in person, of course, in my studio. I also work with people remotely and all that kind of fun stuff. But my book is all about not just me and how I got fit because I was that 200-pound, 13-year-old child, but mm. also about how my clients got fit. And it's mm. not all about success. There's a lot of failure in the book. So when I look, you look at fitness books, you look at really great athletes and really fit people talking about their stupid exercises. That's not really the reality of people that come into my studio. I talk about women who were over 300 pounds who died while I was working with them because they could not lose the weight. I talk about kids who were suicidal because they were overweight and didn't like their lives. I talk about the reality of the human condition in my book and how exercise and proper food changes them. And how people change their lives, literally. And one of the interesting things when you first asked me on the podcast that I thought of was, you know, it's really interesting. All my clients get better jobs and make more money. So I'm in Silicon Valley, which is like, as you know, this is, we're all go-getters. And we're all running 190 miles an hour. And I was laughing with a client of mine. And I'll be honest with you. He was about $300,000 a year, which in anybody's world is good money. He's making a million bucks a year now. And I said nice. the other day, I go, how long have you been with me? He goes, four years. I go, I think I should quadruple your, your charge, right? What it, the hell? Exactly. Your return on investment was enormous. Enormous. But that, that's confidence that, level, right? That is a great point. The return on investment for people with health is huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's not just about, yes, I mean, you feel better and that leads to other things. You're sharper. You perform better and you're worth more economically. I mean, economically, you're always, as a human being, obviously you're always worth a ton just for who you are. But I can tell uh, you an interesting you. story about a gentleman that I had just moved away. So I, we'd been together for three or four years before, but he put on a substantial amount of weight, which made him angry all the time, which made serious problems in his marriage and in his job. He loses the weight. Him and his wife, after like 30 years together, fall in love again, all over again. They always kissing each other. And just the amazement of change of them, right? Because he lost 60 pounds, because he didn't hate his body anymore, because he wasn't angry anymore. Wow, what a gift. Yeah. And she was like, I can't thank you enough. And I go, you know, he's been fun to work with. I'm sorry you guys are moving away. I'll do them remotely now, but I still see you a couple times a year. But it's interesting about how when we don't take care of this body, our relationships, our financial livelihoods, our jobs, everything in our life suffers. Yeah, it's all related. Yep. Well, very, very good. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. And all the best to you in thank everything you. that you're working on. 
Great to meet you. Have a nice day. You, you too. For the latest episode of The Market Call Show, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts for new episodes. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please leave us a five-star review and comments. The information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.